Good morning. Hey, you know, you see a few empty seats around you? So we want to celebrate this morning because there is a group of people uh, that are meeting for the very first time at River Ridge Academy as part of our second campus launch. And uh, I stopped by there this morning on the way, and they were set up, they were getting excited, they were uh, getting uh, all of the equipment hooked up, and it's just the volunteers that are meeting for worship this morning. So um, I thought we'd just take a moment to celebrate that. So let's just celebrate and give them a hand, a round of applause, and they're doing such a great job. And they're doing something that, in a lot of ways, is uncomfortable, right? We... We're, we're creatures of comfort. We, we like our comforts. And they're going out and doing something that's uncomfortable. And, and it was so great to see them this morning as they were getting things set up, as they were working together. Uh, and I really do believe that God's going to do an incredible work uh, through their obedience and through their faithfulness. And so it's just exciting to see that. And, and now here what we have is we have a little space. And so we have some opportunities for us to be inviting our friends and neighbors and, and be able to fill in some of these seats that have been left by those who have gone to start a new work with us. So, hey, grab a Bible if you have one and turn to the book of Second Timothy uh, chapter 4 is where we're going to start. So we are in this series where we are talking about our values as a church. What are the things that, what are the things that we care about? And, and honestly, if, if, you, if you didn't listen to Gail's video and think, man, I really should be doing something. Like if you're sitting there and you listen to that and you're like, hey, no big deal. I'm just going to walk out of here and I'm not going to step into that. You probably should go back and listen to it again. Because she said all of the things that I, I actually, I'm going to repeat it. And she didn't know I was preparing this message. But I watched that video several weeks ago. And I actually told the folks, I said, let's just wait and let's put that out there. Um, on this particular Sunday where we're talking about this value. Because we talk about the things we care about as a church, and one of the things that we we care about is how we serve others, and specifically how we serve one another. And so the value is stated, right? So you've seen it. It's because um, we believe uh, that saved people serve people. Save people, serve people. So if you're, you're in the room today and you would call yourself a follower of Jesus, then you're a saved person, right? You're saved. And one of the things that we see, and Gail mentioned it in that video, and you, you see it throughout the scriptures, is you see that Jesus modeled it for us. Like he modeled what this looks like for us to serve other people. So um, when we say we believe that saved people serve people, we're following after Jesus. And so what we're striving after in our life and as a church is like we are striving to serve one another. We're striving to serve one another, which means this, which means this. You need to consider, right? You need to consider your life, your strengths, your passions, um, uh, your gifts that you would have. You need to consider those things, and then you need to really look at and go, how does this translate to what I should be doing in the context of a local community of believers called the church? So how should I be serving in the local church? And now here's the thing. If you're not, then we can say this. That's okay today, but let's not stay there. 
Let's not stay there. You're better and the church is better, right? When we come together and say, let's, let's really strive after serving one another. So I want you to look at what Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 4. And there's a reason that I wanted to start here. Uh, because obviously this letter is the very end of Paul's life. Um, Paul's, Paul really saw like the end of his life. It's the end of his ministry. And he's writing this letter to Timothy. And he just gets to this place where he, he says something really profound for us. Um, very visual if, if you grew up in a Jewish tradition, right? So he says this in 2 Timothy 4, beginning in verse 6. He says, As for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God, and the time of my death is near. He goes on to say, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. So think of it this way. I, I just I wanted to I wanted to find a way to illustrate it, right? I wanted to find a way for, for all of us to get to this place of going. Let's look at what Paul says, and how does this translate for me in my life, right? So I I, I have here just I have just this pitcher of water. I put a little a little little um, mio in it, you know, a little so you can see it. I wanted you to be able to see the water in there. But I want you to think about this. So in the Old Testament, they, they had the sacrificial system. And with the sacrificial system, they, part of the sacrificial system was a drink offering. So they would take a cup of wine, right? And they would throw it in with some of the other offerings. Like they would throw it into the fire. They would throw it onto the altar with some of the other offerings. And that's how this was presented. And those things mixing together would be this sweet aroma that was pleasing to the Lord. Now, we see that often as we move into the New Testament. Jesus modeled this. Paul talks about it at several different times. So he talks about in Romans 5, he talk, or Romans 12, he talks about, um, you know, not being conformed, but being transformed and basically offering our life, right, as, as an act of worship, as a sacrifice to the Lord. In, in Philippians chapter 2, he talks about in references to a drink offering. And then here in 2 Timothy, at the end of his ministry, he talks about how he has poured out his life. He's poured out his life. For this. Now here's, here's where this really should take a turn for all of us and get a little more personal. Because you, you get to the end of your life, and now for some you might feel like you're closer to the end of your life than others, although none of us really knows, right? But you get to that place, and, and can you say, along with Paul, that you have poured out your life in a way that, that would be, say, like, I have, I have fought the good fight, and I have finished the race. Now, the other thing about an offering that you got to realize is that an offering, when they offered any kind of a sacrifice as an offering to the Lord, they, they brought the best. They never brought leftovers. They brought the best. And that's what you see. What Paul is saying is like, I've brought my best. I've finished my life. I've finished my ministry. I know that the time of my departure is near. And I have given this everything that I have. And how about you? You see, the, the problem that a lot of us have, right, 
Especially in today's culture, where we have access, right? We have so much access to the scriptures. We have so much access to Bible studies and all of those things that are out there. And so what's happening in a lot of our lives is like we're being poured into. If you would, if you would kind of see that. Like we're being poured into in our life. And we get to a certain place and it's, and it's kind of full, right? We, we get kind of full and some of you feel like, man, I'm a, I'm a mature believer. And, and what happens with a lot of us, and I would even say most of us, is when we get to this place, we're just trying to hold on to it, right? We're just trying to hold on to it. Now, along the way, there, there might be times where we might bump into something or someone and it might spill over. I'm not going to do that because if I stain something, I'm going to get in a lot of trouble. But, I, I, but that's what would happen, right? We're trying to hold on to it. We're trying to keep it safe. It's like this is our thing and we, this is what we value more than we value anything else. And so we're trying to hold on to it. What Paul did, right? What Paul did in his life is he took... His life being filled up, and then he decided that he would pour it into someone else's life like Timothy. That he would serve someone else. And then, of course, he would then go back and he would get filled up again. And he, this process would happen over and over and over again, right? And so Paul was never in a place where he's, man, I want to hold on to this. And I want to keep it to myself. And I just want to try to preserve it. But instead he was saying, no, I want to give my life away. I want to pour my life out for other people that they might, one, come to know Jesus. Or that they might grow stronger in their faith. Or they might know that they're not alone on the journey that they find themselves on. But you look at it and you think, how many of us have gotten to the place where we're just simply saying, I want to keep it for myself. I want to keep it for myself. And it's one of the things when, when you... When you hear the videos that they've been, they've been showing for the last several weeks talking about this group called the 20, and it's just a statistic, isn't it? That, like it's a statistic that's out there in a lot of churches that 20% of the people do 80% of the work, and it's one of those things that we all kind of go, ha ha, isn't that funny? And it's not really all that funny. Because what, what that means is there's 80% of the people that are in our churches today and 80% of those people are deciding to be disobedient to what the Lord has told them to do. And that's where it gets uncomfortable, isn't it? We sort of start squirming in our seats and, and, and you know, we, we don't really want to hear that. But that's just the reality of it is there's so many of us that are sitting and they're being poured into, right? They're being poured into over and over and over and over again. And then there's like, when is, when is it ever going to change for you to say, I, I want to pour my life out into other people's lives, when will, when will that change happen for us? And I, and I know, I mean, some of the excuses that, that people have, right? You, you start thinking about it, and, and I understand all of the things, right? We talk about, right, it's, I'm, I'm too busy. I don't have time. And, we, and you think, man, I don't have time. I don't have time. We have time for a lot of other things. We just don't want to make time for that. Everybody in the room has the same amount of time, don't they? 168 hours a week. That's what we have time for, right? Time for all of the things that we want to do in a week. And if something's important to you, then you're going to make time for it. 
is, is so true. So we, we say we don't have enough time. We might say like, hey, I'm, I'm not really gifted in that. I don't, I don't really know. Like, I'm not really gifted. I don't really know what to do. And, and that leads to kind of that comfort, right? They, man, I want to be comfortable and I want to, I want to know exactly what I'm walking into. But you know what? Jesus didn't call us to be comfortable. You think when, when Paul met Jesus on the road to Damascus and he's giving him these instructions and leading him to faith in Christ and like he has any idea, like how does he go measure up to the apostles, the other apostles, right? How does he go measure up to these guys that walk with Jesus for this period of time in his ministry that those folks that got to see the miracles that he was working and Paul's like, man, I don't know how I would measure up to them. I'm not qualified to do this, he would say. And that's how a lot of people would feel. And so we get to this place where we, we just make a lot of excuses. We talk about seasons of life. Well, it's not really the right season of my life for me to do that. Or we get maybe towards that retirement age. And I'm picking on some retirement pe- retired people right now. You get to that retired age and you're like, man, I've kind of done all of that. And now, you know what? I moved here. I moved here to retire. I moved here to kind of leave all that behind. I've done all of that. I've done my time. That's how they say it, right? Like they're in prison. Like, I've done my time. I've heard people say it that way. And then they go, well, it's just time for that next generation. Well, how's the next generation going to learn if the, the other generations don't step in and say, hey, let's, let us model this for you. Let us show you what this is like. Let us be like Paul, pouring into the life of Timothy going, man, I, I want to help you. I want to show you. I want to encourage you. I want to walk with you in the things that you're going through. So, man, we have all kinds of excuses that keep us from just saying yes. There's going to be a, a, a many of you right here in Old Town today, they're going to walk out the doors, right? You're going to see all those things that are out at the different tables. We got them at every exit. Like, we got every exit covered unless you run out these doors, right? Every exit covered. And so you're going out the doors, you're walking, and you're going to walk right by all these tables, and, and you're not going to stop. And you're not going to even give consideration to how you, with your life, with your experience with your passions, with your gifts, with your strengths, how you can make an impact in the life of a local church like Cornerstone Church. And you will walk on by. And here's the thing that happens. Two things to me. One, you miss out. But two, the church misses out. Because you and your strengths and your passions are needed right? You're needed. I got seven things I want to, I want to share with you in terms of why you should serve others, right? Seven things. But first, let me say it this way. John 15 starts, um, this, this picture with Jesus where he's talking about, I am the vine, you are the branches, right? And the first thing I want to encourage you with is that you need to serve from the right source. And, and what I mean by that is you, you've got to get to this place in your life where it's like, Hey, um, why, really, really why, but, but how am I serving? So some people, what will happen is they'll serve in their life and they'll serve in place of their relationship with Jesus. And, and really what they're doing is their own source is their own strength. And so they're serving in their own strength. They're serving in their own ability. And so they go down that road of saying, hey, I'm going to do all of these things. I'm going to do all of these things. But they're not really tapping into the right source. And so John 15, there's just a couple of verses. If you have a Bible, just turn there. Uh, it's just verses 4 and 5. I want you to see this and what Jesus says. It's so, so good for us. He says, uh, remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit 
if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? You think about it. So when you, when you think about the right source, right, when you stay connected to Jesus, right, he should be stirring these things in your heart. And then he goes on in verse 5, he says, Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them, and here's the promise, will produce much fruit. If you, if you stay connected, right, to Jesus, if you're staying connected to Him as your source for strength and your source for even your ability to do the things that you need to do, like when you're connected that way, He's like, man, when you do that, you will in your life produce much fruit. Not a little, right? Because I, I mean, I don't know if you really get this, but our God is a God of immeasurably more. You see that over and over and over again in the scriptures. It's like, how, how is he a God of immeasurably more? Well, he talks about it in Ephesians chapter 3. He talks about it right here. How often do you read something in scripture that says, and not only this, but he also does this. And that's what it looks like for us when we are serving from the right source and we're staying connected to Jesus, right? He's the source for our strength and our abilities, our giftedness, and yes, even our passions. And when we're connected to that, it's like, man, you will produce, you will produce much fruit. For apart from me, for apart from me, he says, you can do nothing. So one encouragement in that is you need to stay connected to the right source. Don't go out there and and think that you can just go do it all. You've, you've got to be able to do it from the right source, the source of your strength, the source of your ability. So when you do that right, you will bear much fruit, okay? Now, here's, here's the other thing, and here's where we get to the seven things I want to talk about, is you need to serve for the right reason. You need to serve for the right reason. And you might be sitting there going, well, well my reason is that I don't want to serve, but, but actually, all throughout Scripture, you, you will see it laid out very plainly. Like, here's, as, as a follower of Jesus, this should be true of you. As, as a growing and maturing believer, this should be true of you. It should be true of you. It really should be true of you. So let's go through these, okay? This is where you might, it's like old-time Bible drills, right? So we're going to go through a lot of different passages, but I want you to see this. The first one comes from Ephesians chapter 4. So if you have your Bibles, Ephesians 4, Paul talks about, right, some of the spiritual gifts in the context of the local church. So he actually talks in Ephesians 4, he talks about how he's given um, apostles and pastors and teachers and evangelists, he's given them to the church for the purpose of basically growing the church up and equipping them, right, equipping them to do and fulfill ministry, right, as the church together as they serve one another, as they deploy their gifts in ministry, in their strengths, in their passions in Ephesians 4, and he would say, they, then they will grow up and reach maturity. But you know whose responsibility is? Not mine. Most churches, they want to point the finger at me. But what Paul does is he says, no, the job of the pastors in the life of the church 
It's to equip the church to be able to go out and fulfill ministry, to go out and serve one another. So that the church is growing up. But here's the reason. Like when we talk about the right reason, he says this real simply in Ephesians 4 verse 1. He says, um, Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. So if you're somebody who wants to fill in the blanks, here it is. Um, The reasons that you serve, the first one is, I'm called. You're called. Did you know that? You might sit there and go, well, wait a minute, pastor. I thought pastors were called. No. Every follower of Jesus is called. Every follower of Jesus is called. And so it, it's hard. It, it's really hard. I've shared this story before. Like when I was stepping into full-time ministry um, a, a little over 15 years ago, and I was having these conversations with my wife, and I was trying to explain like what was going on with me. This is, she turned to me and she said, but we're all called. And she was right, as she has been a lot over the last 15 years, right? <laughs> but we are. You're called. Which, which honestly should, should make you, man, I, honestly, I, it should make you feel like, man, I can hold my head up a little higher. I, I can pull my shoulders back a little bit more. And I can walk in the calling that God has for me. And, and guess what? It's not just me. It's every person that's sitting here, every person that's out there that calls himself a follower of Jesus. You are called by God himself to fulfill a purpose and a plan for your life. You're called. The question is, are you answering the call? Are you answering the call? A lot of us are just letting the phone ring, right? We're just letting the phone ring because it's caller ID and we know it's God calling. And we're saying, I don't want to answer that call because I know what he's going to ask me to do. And so I'm just trying to ignore it because I know what he's going to ask me to do. And that makes me uncomfortable and I don't want to do what's uncomfortable. But guess what? Everybody is called. It's such an assuring thing when you walk in that. The second part, same chapter, Ephesians 4 verses 11, 12, I've already mentioned it, is this. I'm equipped. I'm equipped. Uh, Verses 11 12 say this. Now, these are the gifts God gave to the church apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. So, equipping, you're equipped. Not only are you equipped by those who you have sat under in their teaching for years and years and years, right? But you are equipped by the Holy Spirit. He has taught you the things that you need to be taught. He will give you the strength that you need to have. He will do and He will step into and give you wisdom when you need wisdom. Like the Holy Spirit is walking with you on this journey as well. He hasn't left you or forsaken you. And so not only are you called, but you are equipped you might go, well, I'm not really sure how to use like this particular part of my life in terms of ministry. But guess what? If you look around the room, if you look across the room, there are people that need you in your gifts, strengths, and passions. They need you because their life, right? They need somebody to pour into their life so that they will grow up and become stronger and more mature in their faith. You know what equipping means? It's hard to kind of describe that word. It's not necessarily one we use all the time, but I look at it in terms of um, a toolbox. 
right? So I've got, uh, I've got several toolboxes and some of them, are, like I have some electrical stuff in one of them. I have just like screwdrivers and wrenches and stuff in one of them that I have like some other things in this one that I don't really know where they fit. You know what I'm saying? But that's what equipping is. Equipping is like, man, it's tools in your toolbox, so when you walk into something and you're walking into a room and you've got these tools in your toolbox means that you've been equipped for that moment. So, for instance, when you step into our children's ministry area, you might sit there and go, man, kids freak me out. I totally understand that, right? You're like, I don't want to go and serve in the kids area. But man, kids are amazing, right? One, they're resilient. Uh, and one, honestly, they just don't really care that much about like what you look like or smell like or how you talk, like all of those types of things either. Because like they got up this morning and if they had their choice, they weren't going to brush their hair, brush their teeth um, and put on matching clothes. Like they just weren't going to do that if they could get away from it for the most part. But, but our children's ministry team will walk alongside you. What's that area that you want to serve in? And our children's ministry team, they've been doing this for a number of years. Okay, you want to do this. Well, let's show you. Like, let's, let's put you in that environment. And you can watch somebody else do it. And then you can kind of work together with that person before then we're actually going to put you out there on your own. And we're trying to set that type of system up really in a lot of our areas. Now, the tech people, man, we just throw them in there and say, here, you guys figure this out. But just kidding. But equipping is, man, we want to give you the tools in your toolbox. Our team that's launching this new campus, that's one of the things they're spending this week and next week going over. Is here's, what we, here's how we want to see this stuff set up. Here's what we're going to do when people show up in a couple of weeks. Here's how we're going to sign kids in. And here's how we're going to you know, have our hub set up for people can ask, so people can ask questions. All those types of things. We want to give you the necessary tools in your toolbox. So that you will be equipped to do what it is that you need to do. You're called, you're equipped. Second one, you're empowered. Man, you're empowered. Anybody ever been in a situation where somebody asks you to do something and then they decide to go ahead and do it instead of letting you do it? Anybody? I'll, I'll be honest, like I'm bad about that myself. But man, Jesus, of course, he's perfect. But man, he comes to the end of his life and ministry in Matthew chapter 28. And it's really cool how he does it. Like he gathers these disciples. And he, he had been on their case often. And I mean, if you go through the way that Jesus would talk to his disciples at different times, like he would talk to them about, you know, how little faith they have and he can't believe that they don't understand. I mean, all of those types of things. But he gets to the very end after he had risen from the dead and he gathers them together on the mountain. And he says this in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. He says, I, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Basically what he says is, I've, get, I've been given this authority and I'm empowering you. He says, I've been given this authority, therefore I want you, he says, to go and make disciples of all nations. We're going to talk about this a little more next week, by the way. But baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He says it again in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in all of uh, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the world. Guess what? As a follower of Jesus, you have been empowered by Jesus to go and fulfill what he has called you to do. 
So again, lift your head up. Put your shoulders back. There's work to do. There's work to do. The church needs you, right? People need you. They need you to step into their life in their circumstances. They need you to stop sitting there holding all of the ways that you've been poured into through the years and just trying to keep it to yourself, which is what so many of us are doing. We're just like, man, I'm just going to keep this to myself. I don't even want people to know that I'm a Christian. Yeah, I know I've been told that. I've heard messages on this for 20 years, but I just, man, I love my Bible studies. Right? That's what we do. I, I love going to church. Love being there on Sundays. Love, 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 love it. The other example would be like a sponge. You're taking it and you're soaking it, soaking it, soaking it. Like your sponges, man. You've been soaking stuff up for the last 30 years. It's time to wring it out, man. The people need you. You know, pour it out into the life of other people. You've been called, equipped, empowered. Fourth one, you're commanded. This is where it gets a little, like a little real. Are you going to do what you've been told to do? That's our authority issue. I've talked about it for the last year, I think, talking about authority. Are you willing to do what you've been told to do? Right? As kids, we all grow up. We're a little defiant, aren't they? If you've got teenagers in the room, teenagers are a little defiant. They don't want to do what they've been told. You, as a parent, you feel like you're fighting with them and wrestling with them just to go put your clothes away. I mean, how hard is it to put your clothes in the dresser? Right? And you fight with them and you fight with them and you fight with them. Well, that just, that just kind of keeps going into our adult life at different times. And you might grow up and you might finally put your own clothes away because you're doing your own laundry. But these other areas kind of seep in and you get to this place and where you just say, I don't want to. And so when Jesus commands us to do something, we're sitting there going, but I don't want to. And he looks at you and he says, I don't care. Just like as a parent, you told your kids, I don't care if you want to put the laundry away, put the laundry away. I don't care if you want to comb your hair or brush your teeth. You need to comb your hair and brush your teeth. Parents, you're welcome. I've been trying to hit that today. If you struggle with having your kids comb your hair and brush your teeth, but I'm commanded Matthew 20. Let's just look at it real quick. He says, this is the passage where he says that I have come not to, not to be served, right? Matthew 20, verses 26 through 28. But um, uh, among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom. You read Philippians chapter 2, you can jot it down as an address. Philippians chapter 2 will tell us, right, that even though Jesus is the only one who could argue, he doesn't. He willingly sets aside, like he willingly steps out of, right, all of the praise and honor and the glory and the adoration that was due him, and he humbled himself for the purpose of serving us. For serving us. And what a great picture it is that we are commanded to serve one another. i got three more to go, so hang with me. First uh, Corinthians chapter 12, ready? It says this, and this might make some of you feel really, really good. I'm needed. I'm needed. Did you ever think about that? Like you're needed. First Corinthians 12 is this uh, place where Paul really talks about the, the body of Christ, and he talks about what it looks like in the context of the local church. So pick up with me, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 18. 
And here, he starts talking about the body of Christ. He says, but our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. Did you know that? Right where you are. Like, God, God has you right where you are. And you bring value, right? You bring value to the church. He says in the parts, um, uh, he says, how, stra- uh, yeah, how strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are, uh, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. Do you ever think about that? He starts talking about the body here. And I start thinking about like my hands. I start thinking about my feet. And, and I start giving, you know, I'm just a little more mindful of it, right? A little more mindful. Like when I had, I had foot surgery uh, a couple of years ago. And you're just a little more mindful. Like when you're without something, how much it impacts you. I know a few people are getting ready to have knee surgery, right? And you, you have knee surgery. You're mindful, right, of how much you actually need your knee. And you might think, well, I don't really need my fingers until you go to grab something. And then you need your fingers. And the way that God has designed it, like our bodies are like that, but that's a picture of what the body of Christ looks like. And what he really gets to, which is so cool in this particular passage, if you go and dig into it a little bit more, is he reminds us, right, that there's not one part that's more important than the other part. In fact, what then he goes on to say is those that we think are the least significant or the least important, the ones we think are actually the most necessary. And so you might be sitting there and you might think, man, I don't have anything to give and I don't have anything to offer the local church in terms of service in my gifts and strengths and passions. But guess what? You do. You do. And everything that you bring is of utmost importance. Right? Because you are needed. The church misses out. The church is not as strong or as healthy as it could be when you decide to sit on the sidelines. When you decide to sit and soak, the church misses out. And you miss out because you are needed in the body of Christ. You're needed. Number six, right? I'm accountable. This is one of those tough ones. Romans 14 is the passage I really just want you to see. Romans 14, verse 12 which the whole chapter is great, but he says this really, it's, it's a short one. Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. Did you know that? You have to give an account to God. Uh, the parable of the talents, Matthew 25, you can jot that address down. You don't have to turn there, but the parable of the talents, you might be familiar with it, right? The master basically is getting ready to leave town, and so he entrusts to his, his, his slaves, is the way it says it in Scripture. He entrusts them, like here's, or managers would be one way to see it. I, I give you five, I give you two, and I give you one. And the five goes back, and he, he does whatever he does with that, but he invests it, multiplies it, and has five more. And the master comes back, and he says, look, I've got ten. And the one who had two, he goes, and he invests it, whatever he does with it, and he multiplies it. And he comes back, and he says, look, master, I've got four. And then he got the one, and the one took his, and he went out. He didn't invest it. He didn't try to multiply it. He didn't try to use it. He went and buried it in the dirt. He buried it in the dirt. The master comes back. The five says, I've got five more. The two says, I've got two more. The one says, man, I know that you are a hard taskmaster. And so I went and buried it in the sand so that I knew I wouldn't lose it. (laughs) And some of you are like that. 
And you have to give an account one day. You've got to stand before your Lord and Savior. And you've got to say, this is what I've done with what you've given me. And here's what I've determined in my life. I don't want to have gone and buried it in the sand. I'll lay it all out there. That's what Paul did. I have taken my life, right? Say this is his life this time, and I'm just pouring it out. And he keeps doing it over and over and over and over again. Just simply, I'm, I'm commanded, right? I'm going to be accountable. I've got to give an account one day with what I've done, with what I've been given. And you have been given so, so much. So many resources are at your disposal. So many opportunities are at your disposal. So what have you done with what you've been given? Because we believe save people, serve people. We strive to serve one another. Last thing, Colossians chapter 3. And it's, and it's really something you see. You see it actually in the parable of the talents. But it's this, that you will be rewarded. You will be rewarded. Colossians 3, 23 and 24 says, Work willingly at whatever you do as though you're working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your, what's the word? Reward. And, that the, ma- and the master that you are serving is Christ who modeled it for you. And it all just comes back really to seeing what you see in the Gospels. So the question really boils down to this for you in your life. You have one life. You have one life. I don't know how many years it will last. For some, it might be 40, 50, 60, 70. I don't know how many years you have left. But what are you going to do with what you've been given? In the context of a local church, you've been given some gifts and strengths and passions and, and you should be, whether it's at this local church or another local church. Maybe you're saying, man, Cornerstone's not for me. Totally get it. But every person should get to the place where they're using their gifts and strengths and passions to serve a local body of believers. Because that's what you see in the scriptures. Listen to all of the things I just want to remind you, and then we're going to pray and we'll sing our way out. Listen to them. You are called... You are equipped. You are empowered. You are commanded. You are needed. You are accountable. And you will be rewarded for how you step in and say, Yes, Lord, use me and use my gifts, use my strengths, and use my passions for the purpose of helping the church grow up, as Paul would say in Ephesians chapter 4, that the church would grow up and become mature And he actually uses the word complete, not lacking anything. The only way we get to that place is when every one of us decides to step in using our gifts, strengths, and passions for the glory of God in his church. I want to ask you to stand with me as we get ready to close. And I'm going to pray over us. And then the team's going to come out and they're going to lead us in one more song and we'll worship together before we leave today. Let's pray. Father, thank you uh, for the truth of your word. It's, it's, it's hard. It's hard to hear it sometimes. It's, it's hard to be obedient to it sometimes. 
Lord, it's a great challenge as we fight against the flesh and we fight against ourselves to get to this place of saying yes to you and yes to what you have for us. So God, I pray for every person, every person that's listening, that they would get to this place of saying yes to you. Yes to using their gifts and strengths and passions for you in your church, for your glory, for your honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's-